we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, verse 32. We've come through this 11th chapter, and uh, we're coming to the conclusion of it. And the writer pins these words beginning in verse 32, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection." And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I want to speak to you this evening on this subject, the faith to go on. The faith to go on. In verses 23 through 28, we saw that Moses, his family, and eventually the people of God, the Israelites, had the faith to go out, to leave Egypt, to trust God, and to go out. Then as they came in verse 29 to the Red Sea, where they were pursued by the Egyptians, they had the faith to go through. In verse 30, when Joshua and the men of Israel came to Jericho, 
We saw that they had the faith to go in. But in verses 32 through 40, we read of the faith to go on. And sometimes that's the challenge. In fact, most of the time that's the challenge, especially for those of us who know the Lord, is the faith to go on. Because oftentimes we are tempted to quit. The Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And oftentimes we get weary and we are tired of the struggle and we're tired of the difficulties and the trials and we're wondering when they'll stop. By the way, have you had a bad day today? Well, you might want to put it in perspective with verse 36, 37, and 38 trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonment, being put to death by stoning or being sawn asunder, cut in two, being beheaded. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, and wandering. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing, of course, to Hebrew Christians, many who had been scattered abroad, if you remember, the persecution came against the church in the first century. And so the believers in Jerusalem were scattered abroad. They went everywhere, the Bible says. And they suffered greatly for their faith in Christ. As they went everywhere, they preached the gospel. And so God's purpose and plan was fulfilled through their persecution, the trials that they endured. And Paul, we believe, I can't say that with authority, I just say it by habit, may have been the writer of Hebrews. But no matter who it is that penned it, the Holy Spirit inspired it. But the Spirit of God is saying to these Hebrew Christians, you have a better covenant than the Old Testament saints. Those Hebrews held to their tradition. They held to their heritage. They held to Judaism. And God is showing them here in the book of Hebrews they have a, they have a better covenant, much better than the Old Testament. The Old Testament pointed to a Savior. The law was given to show what a holy God demands Jesus fulfilled the law. He's the only one who could have fulfilled the law. The rituals and the sacrifices and the temple all testified of the work of Christ. The office of the priest, all testifying of the work of Christ and the sacrifice that Christ would make. And so the writer of Hebrews is pointing them all throughout this epistle, he's, 
He's pointing them to the fact that they have a better covenant, that in Christ they have better things. And he's hearkening back in verses 32 through 40, as he has throughout this entire chapter, and he is reminding them of their heritage and the fact that those heroes of the faith that are listed here in Hebrews 11, they persevered, they endured, they triumphed through faith. And therefore, he's encouraging them to press on. Look in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, because of this, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, the people that are listed for us in the book of Hebrews make up this great cloud of witnesses. Because of that, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In other words, let's go on. Let's go on. And he's speaking to them about the faith to go on. And the faith to go on comes to us in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How do we find the faith to go on? We look to Jesus. We recognize that we have a better covenant. We recognize that we are to go on. And so I'm going to give you three characteristics this evening of the faith to go on, and I hope it'll help you because oftentimes weighted down in the race, weary and worn, we may be tempted to quit. So let's look at it. First of all, I want you to see that the faith to go on is triumphant in the struggles. The faith to go on is triumphant in the struggles. Now, in verse 32 uh, through verse 35, or at least the beginning there of verse 35, we have, uh, we have uh, more examples of faith and more experiences of faith that the writer shares with us. Now, in verse 32, we see more examples. He says, more examples of faith in verse 32. And what shall I more say? Now, he's been enumerating for us uh, the heroes of the faith and what they were able to do through faith. And he says, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. So he gives us more names in this list. Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, David, who we've been studying on Sunday mornings, Samuel, and of the prophets. And then he speaks not only of those examples of faith, but their experiences through faith. Look in verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. And the point here is that victories are only won in the conflict. Victories are only won in the conflict. If there is no conflict, there would be no victory. 
But we, through faith, can win the victory. Now, Christ has won the victory, but we can realize the victory that Christ has won through faith. And so victories are only won in conflict. We are in a war, right? Ephesians 6, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual conflict uh, with Satan and principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he says this, who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness. Righteousness prevails in the face of sin and temptation. We live in a world filled with sin and temptation. And as God's people, through faith, we are to be righteous. We are to obey God. We are to trust him and believe him and to do what God has told us to do. And righteousness prevails. No matter what the trends are in culture, no matter the, the, the manifold temptations, we have a responsibility to obey God. We have a responsibility to live a holy life. He has made us righteous through his blood that was shed for us, and he intends for us to live a righteous life. He said, obtained promises. That's next in verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. Promises are obtained through patience, right? What do, what do we like to have happen? We like for the promises to be fulfilled. We like to realize them. We really dislike having to wait for them. But these promises are obtained through patience. Therefore, we must demonstrate patience. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We are to wait upon the Lord. We are to be patient. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. Well, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Who, who, who is the Bible speaking of here? Well, it may be speaking of more than one, but we certainly can think of one, right? And who is that? Daniel in the lion's den. Why was he there? Because he chose to pray. A law was declared in Babylon. You cannot pray, or rather in Persia, you cannot pray. And uh, the only God you can pray to is the God of Persia, to the king. You can't pray to any other God. But Daniel did what he had always done. Three times a day, he went and prayed. He opened the windows of his room, and he looked toward Jerusalem, and he prayed. And he didn't stop. And because he violated the law, he was placed into the lion's den. And those lions were hungry. You can be assured of that. They were hungry. And they roared against Daniel. We live in a time when the lions are roaring. They're roaring. They're roaring against us, threatening us. But through faith... The mouths of the lions were closed. The roaring was silenced. So if there were no conflict, there'd be no victory. If there was no patience, we wouldn't have to have promises. If the lions didn't roar, then we wouldn't have to see God silence them. Verse 34, quench the violence of fire. Well, who do we think of here? Well, we think of the three Hebrew boys, right? 
quenched the violence of fire. They went into the furnace. They went into the furnace. They had heated the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been. It was so hot that the guards who tried to put those three Hebrew boys in the furnace, they were consumed because of the heat. It was that hot. Don't you think those boys felt the, the, the warmth of that heat as they approached that furnace? But yet, when they got in there, the Lord was there, and he suffered them no harm. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, what in the world's going on? We put three men in the fire. I see four, and the fourth one is as the Son of God. And they're loose. We had them bound, but now they're loose. And they brought them out of that furnace, and they didn't. their clothes weren't burnt. Their hair didn't smell like smoke. The only thing that was gone that they had on them before they went in there were the ropes that bound them, right? God set them free. You may be feeling the heat right now. You may be bound right now. You may be facing the furnace right now, but know that Christ is there with you and trust him. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight. I think about Gideon with that verse. Remember Gideon? He was living there in, in the land of promise, and the Midianites had overrun them and had controlled them and were destroying all their crops and oppressing them. And Gideon was threshing wheat by the wine press. Now, in case you're not connecting those thoughts, you don't thresh wheat at the wine press. Why did he do it? Because he was hiding. Who was he hiding from? The Midianites. Do you remember what the Lord said to him when he confronted Gideon at the wine press as he threshed wheat? He called him something. He said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Do you think Gideon felt like a mighty man of valor? He's hiding. He is afraid. And God refers to him as a mighty man of valor because God knew what he was going to do through faith. Well, the Bible says next that they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Do, do, you remember, do you remember what happened in the battle with the Midianites? Uh, God said to Gideon, lead, lead the troops, lead the men of Israel, and he gave them 30,000, remember? And then they narrowed it down to 3,000 depending on how they drank water. And uh, the troops were reduced to, to, to 3,000 or then eventually, maybe, I'm sorry, to 300. So there was just 300 left in the army. So Gideon and 300 men uh, with lamps and a trumpet uh, go and surround the, the Midianites. And they break the lamps and 
blow their trumpets and they shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And what happens? The Midianites start running. They flee. They flee the men of Israel, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. There was a day when the Syrian army encamped outside of Samaria. And they said, we're going to destroy this place. And uh, there were some lepers outside the camp. You remember that? They were out there and they were dying. They couldn't go into the city of Samaria because they were lepers, but there was nothing in Samaria for them. There was no food. The people were starving inside. The the, the, uh, Syrian army had closed them off, and so they were starving to death. The Syrian army had plenty of resources, and, uh, but uh, when the lepers went to the camp of the Syrians, they found the camp was empty. They started rummaging through the tents. They found food. They hadn't eaten in, in a long time. They found all kinds of nice things, things that they began to enjoy. Uh, they began to eat a meal, and, and, and they, they couldn't believe themselves. I mean, this entire camp is just left empty. All the soldiers are gone. Where are they? God scared them to death, and they ran. He spooked them, just like he did with those Midianites. And they, lay, they, they ran. And so without, without drawing a sword, they won the battle. You see... Faith to go in, that faith, or the faith to go on, rather, is triumphant in the struggles. And we have struggles that come to us. We wish they wouldn't come to us, but nevertheless, they do come to us. And God teaches us that through faith, we are able to prevail. Faith is the victory we often sing that overcomes the world. Look at verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. I think about the woman, the Shunammite woman whose son had died. What a great story. How well it ended for her. How well it ended for Gideon. How well it ended uh, for many of these heroes of the faith. The faith to go on is triumphant in the struggles. But the point is that the struggles will come. But through faith, God's people may prevail. So what is your struggle? What is your difficulty? What is the thing that has you bound? What are the flames that are rising up in the furnace in your life? What temptations and snares have come to you? What what kingdoms stand in conflict with you? What promises are you having to be patient for tonight? Then trust God and know that through faith you can experience God's victory. The faith to go on is triumphant in the struggles. Let me give you a second thought. The faith to go on is tested through suffering. The faith to go on is tested through suffering. Verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. Can you imagine? Let me just 
expound on this just a moment. Imagine the joy of that mother when she re received her son who had been restored to life. We, we, we can only imagine what that was like. We can imagine the joy and the celebration. We can imagine that the weight of the world was lifted off her shoulders. But that experience would never have come to her had her child not first died. And we can imagine the sorrow that overcame her. But through faith in those struggles, God gave victory. But then the Bible says in verse 35, and others, and others. And I just wrote this down. I just jotted this down today. As sure as the triumphs came, so did the trials. We like to talk about the triumphs. In fact, if you go across the hall and you go into the school, the education building, you're going to find a trophy case. And we'll look at the trophies and we'll say, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that team. I remember that team. And even though we have that reminder there, even though we have that trophy case there, I think the thing we remember the most are the losses, the defeats, the time that we felt like we should have won but we didn't, the close games, the rough seasons, the difficulties. You see, as sure as the triumphs came, so also come the, the trials. It wasn't rosy for everyone, was it? Humanly speaking. Women received their dead, raised to life again. What a victorious celebration. And others. There were others. Well, how'd it go with them? They were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were tortured for their faith. They were tortured for their convictions. They refused to recant. All through the history of the church, Christians have been persecuted. Men and women have hazarded their lives for their faith in Christ, for their love for God's word, and their commitment to get it from generation to generation. They were tortured. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. In other words, they made a decision just like Moses made, choosing to esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. These made a choice. They made a choice to say that what God has for us in the resurrection is far better than temporal deliverance and temporal comforts here. And they were willing to die and suffer and give their lives so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Well, we continue reading. 
in uh, verse 36. And others, there they are again. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. We think of Jeremiah the prophet here, how he was held with such contempt by his own people as he prophesied on the eve of captivity, as he warned the people of what was going to happen. And while it was happening all around them, he continued to deliver God's message and tell them what they needed to hear, that they needed to obey God and that they needed to trust God. In fact, there were times when the men of Israel would say to Jeremiah, just tell us what we need to do and we'll do it. And Jeremiah would tell them, and then they would say, no, we're not going to do that. Sounds like modern-day America, doesn't it? In fact, I'm sorry to say, but you, you would have to admit it sounds like a lot of Christians. Pastor, what do I need to do to save my marriage? Pastor, what do I need to do to deal with this issue? Well, let's find out what God says. Here's what God says. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want a quick fix. I want to drink some Maalox and all this change. I, I want to go on about my own sinful ways, my own selfish pursuits, and I, I, I don't want to. I don't even want to think about repenting of my bad attitude, or, or even acknowledge that I could be wrong. No, no. I had a conversation with someone. They said they were trying to help someone who needed help. They said. One thing I could tell about this person, they were only listening to me so that they could respond. In other words, they weren't really listening. They were just listening to respond because their foot was on a rock and their mind was made up. That's what happened here. And because of that, Jeremiah suffered greatly, imprisoned, beaten, Mocked, ridiculed. In verse 37, they were stoned. A group of people would get around them with rocks and stoned them. Uh, Paul had seen that happen, and it happened to him. He participated in it when he held their coats when they stoned Stephen. They were sawn asunder. Imagine that. Sawn asunder. The teeth of a saw cutting through their bodies. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. We are, we are creatures who like our comforts, don't we? I mean, we whine if the hot water heater doesn't keep us warm in the shower. My dad used to tell me, when you start paying the bill, you'll take shorter showers. 
Well, I do pay the bill, but I keep taking those long showers. But I don't like it when the hot water runs out. Just think of how spoiled we all are. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Can I ask you a question? Was God as faithful to them as he is to us? Yes or no? Yes. Did God love us? Does he love us more than he loved them? No. You see, their faith was tested through suffering. Are you going to recant? We'll quit torturing you. You can go free from this prison. There's no reason to face this stoning. There's no reason to be sawn asunder or slain with a sword. Just give it up. Give it up. Well, Paul wrote in Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. How did they endure this this avalanche of trial and suffering. They did it by faith. They agreed with Paul that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which should be revealed in us. That's how they were able to endure. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes again in verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Then he goes on to say this, we are troubled on every side. What kind of life did Paul have? Troubled on every side. He was a part of that crowd that began with this statement and others. That was his crowd. Troubled on every side. What troubles do we have? Well, not as many as Paul, right? Has anybody been scourged in this building tonight? Has anybody been stoned and left for dead? Trouble on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. Have you ever been there? Man, what am I going to do? I, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand why this is happening. I, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't understand why this is happening and why, why it's going on, why I don't have an answer. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What is God doing? He's making himself known. He's revealing himself to us. He is living through us. Verse 12. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall up shall raise up also uh, raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace of God might through thanksgiving of many 
redound to the glory of God. All the things that are happening to others and others, all things are for your sakes. God is working in us. That's what he's telling us. He's making himself known. The resurrection life of Christ is being revealed. That's why he says this in verse 16, for which cause we faint not. We don't sit down. We don't stop. We don't quit. We don't turn back. We go on. We go on by the grace of God. We go on with the promises of God. We go on according to the word of God. We go on in the face of trials and temptations. We go on. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Then he says this in verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Again, he said, all things are for your sakes. Now he's showing us how. They worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. You know, the things that we look at right now, that we can't make sense of right now, the things that we don't understand, the things that are dear to us on this earth. I'm not talking about the relationships. I'm talking about the things. It's temporal. It's passing. It doesn't last but the things which are not seen are eternal. Have you ever made a decision that in the short term seemed to be good, but in the long term it wasn't? That's what he's saying to us. He's saying evaluate the long term here. What is the long term? It's not this life. It's not this world. It is the life to come. It is the world to come. And so he says, have the faith to go on. And the faith to go on, yes, praise be unto God, is triumphant in the struggle, but it's tested through suffering. Have you considered my servant Job? Well, oh, there you go with Job again. You take such good care of him. Look at his family. Look at the Look at their Facebook profile picture. It makes you sick to look at it. Trips all over the Middle East on vacation. Look at the herds and the flocks. Look at the big house. Mrs. Job is the most beautiful woman in all the land. No wonder he serves you. But if you just let me touch him, he'll curse you to his face. What was the devil saying? His faith won't stand the test. So the test came. And you know what Job said? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What did Paul say? I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to abound. I've learned that whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. You see, 
Paul's faith, Job's faith, it was tested through suffering. And the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. And so we see the faith to go on is triumphant in the struggles. The faith to go on is tested through suffering. And then lastly, the, te- the faith to go on is trusted for salvation. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And God will allow us to go through periods of testing and trials. And he is strengthening those faith muscles in our lives so that we do run the race that is set before us, so that we do build up the faith and foster the faith to go on. Well, how did they do it? Look at verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith. What does that mean? Their salvation was through faith. That's what that means. We all have a bad report. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How do we get the good report? The good report is the righteousness of Christ imputed to our account through faith in him and his finished work. What were these Old Testament saints putting their faith in? They were putting their faith in the promised Savior. They were looking forward to Jesus. What do we do? We put our faith as we look backward to what Christ has already done. He has come. We have that testimony. We have the last 27 chapter or 27 books of the Bible, right? We have the New Testament, the new covenant, the better covenant. Christ has come and performed what he promised those Old Testament saints. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. In other words, they, they were recipients of the promise, but they hadn't realized the promise. But then he says in verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect or complete. Now their faith is complete. Why? Because Christ has come. And we have better promises. We have a better covenant. And so there was a faith that is trusted for salvation. And may God help us to have the faith to go on. To know that as we are in the struggle and as we suffer, that our God is faithful and he's promised to deliver us and to take us home to be with him for all eternity. So everything here is going to be okay, isn't it? Yes, it is. So trust him and have the faith to go on. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.